Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Our lesson this morning is number two, the mighty name of Jesus. And if you weren't with us, just a quick review of some of the things that we've already said. First of all, we said that Jesus gave us the right to use his name here to do what? To continue his works in the earth. He actually gave us what is called the legal power of attorney, which authorizes us to transact business for him since he's in heaven and we're on earth. So he gave us that legal power of attorney. So in other words, when we say in the name of Jesus, it's as if he's right there doing it. For he said, in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And we should never take that lightly, but sometimes it's easy for us to do so. Secondly, we said that the early church had a deeper and greater, we could say, appreciation for this name and a greater faith in this name because we see through the book of Acts how they took the name of Jesus and did the miraculous everywhere they went. Philip going down to Samaria preaching Christ in a powerful way. Paul using the name to cast out devils and etc. Healed the sick, set the captives free. We see that mighty name being used by these who believe in the authority and power of that name, doing great signs and wonders in such a way. They said they've come over here and they've turned the world upside down. Then also, the reason why we said they had a greater revelation and deeper appreciation for the power of the name of Jesus is why? Because the devil from the very beginning tried to stop teaching and preaching about and in the name. Did his best, told Peter and John, don't preach and teach anymore in that name. And Peter finally just said, are we going to obey you? We're going to obey God. We're going to obey God, not you. So at the beginning, you see, they put that down. But as time went on, I'll be honest with you. 24 years in church, I never heard a, a message or a lesson on the power and authority of the name of Jesus, let alone I have the power of eternity to use that name to transact business for him here as I live my life on the earth. All those years, never heard that. It was nothing but a religious something. But praise God, what a difference it made when I found out the authority that we have and the authorization that we have, the power of attorney that we have to use that name to transact business for Jesus. We talked about then in conclusion of our review, we talked about how Jesus acquired or achieved or obtained his name. He received his name or inherited his name. He got it by inheritance in the book of Hebrews, we are told. To which of any of the angels did he ever say to any of them, sit down at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Let all the angels of God worship him, but he attained a name that was far greater than any other name. Why did he have to obtain it then? Because of his finished work on Calvary. Secondly, he had it bestowed upon him because of his obedience to the cross. We are told in Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you that was in Christ. 
He was obedient to death, even the death of the cross. So God highly exalted him and conferred upon him a name above every other name. How about this? That at the mention of that name, every knee shall bow of things or beings in heaven, things and beings on earth, things or beings under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So he got it by inheritance. He got it by bestowal. And finally, praise God, he got it by his achievements, by his conquests, by his defeat of all the power of darkness. How he made an open display and show of all the works of darkness. Imagine in that kingdom of darkness, he had a parade taking place where he displayed it. And as a result, he put to shame and brought to naught all the leaders of the underworld. Hallelujah. Doesn't that excite you to know? And when you hear people talking even today, saying things like, well, the devil's just been after me all week long. Stop it. The devil's been defeated. He's been overthrown. He's been dethroned. One translation says he dethroned all the powers of darkness. And we need to view them as being dethroned because of Jesus. Who's greater, Jesus or the devil? Jesus. Well, let's believe it. Let's declare it. Let's decree it. Now, the name, let's, as we continue our study, the mighty name. Why is it so mighty? There's only salvation in one name. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 12, and then Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Neither is there salvation in any other. You're being narrow-minded. No, I'm not. Paul is, or, or Luke is. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is not another name. There are those that say there are many ways to God. Yeah, other ways are ways of judgment. Only one way to salvation, and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by him. Look in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And what's the name that what's that name of the Lord that we call upon? It's Jesus. And before that, he talks about it doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or you're a Greek, whether you're a male or a female, bond or free. It doesn't matter who you are, what you are, what your gender is, what your status is, or whatever. If you want saved, you got to call upon one name. Only one name will get you saved. And why is it that name? I was just waiting for you to ask, ask me that question. Getting thrilled here to answer that question. Look in the book of Revelation. Here's why. And this is what I'm going to arm all of us with. Here's why. When someone says to you, there's other ways to God. Oh, no, 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 there's not but one way to God. You see, John was caught up in the first part of this chapter. He was caught up on the Isle of Patmos. And he saw him sitting on a throne with a book written within on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And he saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who's worthy to take the book? And loose the seals thereof. And no man in heaven or earth or under the earth. Notice the three realms. Heaven, earth, or under the earth was able to take the book and loose the seals thereof. So he began to cry. He began to weep. But the elders said to him, weep not. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He has prevailed to take the book and loose the seals thereof. And I beheld and I saw in the midst of the throne and the beast of the elders a lamb as he had been slain. Having seven horns and seven eyes without the seven spirits of God sent forth unto all the earth. Next verse. <laughs> yeah, <really. laughs> 
And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vows full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Worthy, hallelujah, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. Why? Because you redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And you made us kings unto our God and, we, and priests and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne of the beast and the elders. And the number was and was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, and glory and blessing. For every creature which is where? In heaven. And where? On earth. And where? Under the earth. And such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that lives forever and ever. Why is this name mighty? Why is this name great? Because there's not a creature in heaven. There's not a creature on earth. There's not a creature under the earth or in the sea that is worthy to take the book and loose the seals because he's the one that redeemed us from every kindred and tongue and people and nation in all realm of human experience. Only one name, only one person. And what's his name? Jesus. What's his name? Jesus. Oh, you better give him a praise offering. Oh, hallelujah. 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 That's why his name is mighty. Can you imagine you having a sin sick soul on your way to the lake of fire? Well, you will spend your eternity forever and ever. The man in Luke 16, when uh, talking about the rich man in Lazarus that Jesus talked about, he still wants someone to dip the tip of his finger and cool his tongue because he's tormented in the flames. That's all he wants. Hasn't happened for 2,000 years. But that's what he wants. And you were, uh, and I were on our way there. You could have called upon the name of Moon. You would have never changed your course. You can call upon the name of Buddha. And you will never change your course. You can call upon the name of Krishna and you will never change your course. You can name the name of anyone who ever lived, whoever will live or any being in heaven, earth or underneath the earth. And you will still never change your course. You're bound because you're in the powers of darkness. You're in the kingdom of darkness. And there's no way to uproot you from that kingdom. You've got to be born out of it. And there's only one name you can call upon. And if you call upon that name, whoever calls upon that name, he will come down. He will pull you up out of the realms of darkness and put you into his kingdom and make you a son or a daughter of the most high God. Only one name can do that. And that name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus is the only name. Secondly, why is that name so great and mighty? Because you get baptized into that name. Look at Matthew's gospel. Matthew's gospel in chapter 28 and verse 19. I want you to see two verses in Revelation chapter, uh, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 7. Go ye in all the world, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the, and let's not take this lightly, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Notice the three. Jesus is the corporate redemptive name for God in the New Testament as Jehovah was the corporate redemptive name for God in the Old Testament. 
So when you name Jesus, you're talking about Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It's the corporate redemptive name. And you and I are baptized into that name. And what that means is this. We're married to him. Look at, Revel look at Romans chapter 7. Wherefore, my brethren, you also become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. You know what that means? When you made Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, you got married. You may think you're single out there, but you're not. You may not have a wife or a husband, but you do. You really do. Because you see, we're married to Christ. And what does that mean that we're married to Christ? It means we are his and he is ours. And you know what? When this marriage takes place, there is no prenuptial agreement when it takes place. Well, well wait a minute. Should there be? Well, think about it. He's got it all and we have nothing. And we say, yes, I do, Lord. We get married to him, right? You would think he might want to put a prenuptial agreement together to say, hmm, I don't know about this. But you guess what? He doesn't. You know what he says? All that I have is yours. All that I have belongs to you. He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It's his good pleasure to give to us the kingdom. I give you the keys to the kingdom and its operation. Keys, plural, meaning whatever door you need open, just take the key and use it. Open up the door. It all belongs to you. It's the Father's good pleasure to give to you everything. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad? You're married to another. We're one with him. All that he has is ours. All that we have is his. Who do you think wins out on that proposition? <laughs> what have we got to offer? What does he have to offer? Oh, hallelujah. What a name. The name of Jesus. We're married to another. Number three, there is deliverance in that name. Demons bow to that name. Look again in Luke's gospel. We talked about this a little bit last week, but it bears repetition. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through thy name. And he said to them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you. Isn't that something how his... his Thinking is so far different because you're, but rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Amen. The effect is greater than the cause. The devils came out when we said, come out in Jesus name. He said, yeah, they came out because your name is written in heaven. It came out because heaven recognizes who you are. Remember the seven sons of Sceva and they tried to cast out a devil and the devil jumped on them, beat them silly, and they went out, fled naked, right before. And there was great, great respect for the name of Jesus. And what did they say? Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But man, I have no, no knowledge of who you are. You think it pays to have uh, your name written in heaven? Because so, when those devils see that you're, you know your name is written in heaven and you're authorized by this power of attorney to transact business, they've got to come out and they've got to go. Isn't that something good to know? 
oh, the power of that name. I'll never forget the time when I walked into my son's bedroom and he was burning up of a fever. Long story, I'll just make it so short. You've heard it before, but just real quick, as I was walking into his room to pray for him as he was having, he was laboring and breathing and all that because of this high fever that he had. And as I got to the middle of the room and I walked into like a glory wall, I'll call it a glory wall. I just smacked into it, nothing there, but I walked right into it. And I stopped like that and said, heard of my spirit, you've demonstrated love for others. I'm going to demonstrate my love for you. And I knew exactly what to do. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of him. And I saw a black bird-like figure just fly off the top of his head and out the window. And the moment it left him, that moment he breathed perfectly. The fever was instantly gone. He was completely healed. I know it was a spirit of infirmity that tried to attach itself to him. And he was completely free. How? The name of Jesus. Demons have to bow to the mighty name of Jesus. Look in the Great Commission, Mark 16. And these signs shall follow them or accompany them that believe. In my name shall they do what? Cast out devils. This is the power of attorney. This is him authorizing us to use his name to transact business for him on the earth. But it's sad that religion has just taught us that, well, whatever God wants to do, God will do whatever. Jesus never said that. In the Great Commission, he said, I'm telling you to use my name to transact business for me and cast out devils. Isn't that what he said? Well, then it's up to us to do it. He never said, I'll do it for you. So cast out devils in my name. Take authority over demons. And we read to you last week uh, from the like a mighty wind uh, of how the devils were subject to the name of Jesus. Now. Next, there's healing in the name of Jesus. Look at Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4 here. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him has given this man this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. How was the lame man who never walked healed? His name, but now notice, through faith in his name. Through faith in his name. Through faith in his name. How do you get faith in anything? Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. I expect our faith level should be rising right now. I expect something on the inside of us should be happening. I expect that we should have a deeper appreciation and greater faith in the power of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the words that we're hearing right now are affecting our spiritual condition. We recognize and we realize that we've been authorized with this power of attorney. And we can rise up and stand firm and strong and use that mighty name of Jesus no matter what we're going through. And call upon that name for what? Salvation. When it says save, it means save, healed, preserved, delivered, set free, protected, made whole. All in the name of Jesus. And then look at Mark 16 again. We just saw that, but we'll see it back and forth. Look at verses 17 and 18. And these signs shall accompany. It means to accompany. Stand beside those that believe. Those that believe. Those that believe. These signs shall accompany those that believe. Not those that doubt, but those that believe. You're a believer, but now we have to believe something. What? In my name. In my name. They shall cast out devils. They speak with new tongues. If they, they'll take up serpents. If they drink any dead thing, it won't hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Notice, forget your hands, but remember the name. Weigh out the two. It's not my hands, it's his name. In my name shall they. 
Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I lay hands on you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and I expect you to recover. See, it's the expectation that we have. We go there believing something. If we go there thinking that who am I to lay hands on somebody, you miss the whole picture here. You're nobody. I'm nobody. Without him, we're nothing. Have nothing, know nothing, can do nothing. But you're not without him. And with him, you can do all things. And when you lay your hand on the sick in the name of Jesus, he said, I will do it. You're not doing it. He's doing it. There am I in the midst of them to do it. Oh, thank God for the name of Jesus. And then also, uh, look at uh, verse 18 again. Can you throw that back up there? When it comes to protection, there's protection in that name. It's a mighty name. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Keep those two thoughts in mind. This is referring to restored power over the animal kingdom that God gave man in the very beginning when he created Adam and Eve and said, I gave you authority over what? The fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, every creeping thing that creeps upon the planet. He had power and authority over all the animal kingdom. But that was also lost in the fall. And then if you drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt you. Talking about power over poison and that sort of thing. But remember the context in which all this is being spoken. This is something we can never forget. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You're preaching the gospel. You're declaring the good news. And in the context in which you are doing so, you will meet fierce opposition. You'll be challenged every step of the way. Whether you're in this world or you're in some place in Africa or Indonesia or wherever you might be. Wherever you and I take a step forward to, to do the things of God, to proclaim the good news of the gospel, we declare it before people, we are going to be sorely and fiercely challenged by opposing forces of darkness. And these are some of the things he will use to destroy us and stop us, to quench the fire that we have to get the gospel out. He says, in that process, when this happens, you've got power over the animal kingdom, and you've got power even over, say, poison that would try to destroy your life. And I want to read to you, once again, from like a mighty wind, because these testimonies attest to exactly what Jesus said. So let's notice here. I want you to listen to this. If you don't have a copy of this book, I just encourage you to get one because this will just, you talk about raise your level of faith. Sometimes I would just read to you just the highlights, but I want to read the details, if that's okay this morning. Is that okay? Yeah. Power over serpents. They shall take up serpents. This shows the Christian's power over the animal kingdom. When the Lord created Adam and Eve, he let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and so on. But when man fell into sin, he lost authority to the, to, uh, over the animals. Sometimes a dog will bite you because the dog doesn't honor you as the highest creation of God. I praise God by confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have had this authority restored to us. Maybe you in America, listen carefully, don't need this authority. You've got cars, you've got trains, you've got planes. But we live in the jungle. So we really need authority over the animals. Sometimes we meet crocodiles, tigers, poisonous snakes. Many times we have said snakes stop right there because I want to pass by. And the, and the snake stops right there. We pass by and the snake never bothers us because God has given us authority over the animal kingdom. In my country, there are many scorpions. If one bites you, you're in trouble. 
But I tell you, we have power over the animal kingdom. If the scorpion bites us, we pray in the name of Jesus and the pain is gone. My sister and a brother in the Lord work for the Lord in the jungles of Sumatra. Many times they must cross rivers. One day this brother went across the river. He couldn't swim and the water came to his waist. It was flood time. The Muslims and pagans stood on the bank and they laughed. Ha ha, they said, this is the day for him to die. As he was struggling to get across the river, crocodiles came toward him to swallow him. When they were three or four feet from him, they were ready to use their tails to crush him. When crocodiles hit with their tails, they can knock canoes in half. So when they came at a man, he has absolutely no power to protect himself. Suddenly, this brother remembered Mark 16, 18. As he stood there in the river, he said, Crocodiles, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. The crocodiles came another foot closer and then swish. They turned and they swam away. The Muslims and the pagans stood on the bank of the river and said, we've never seen anything like this. The crocodiles obeyed the man. The crocodile is one of the most stupid, I'm reading, animals in the world. He has a very small brain. It's easier to make a dog or a cat to obey than a crocodile. But I tell you, when Jesus spoke to the crocodiles, they understood him and they went away. Once again, the pagans saw the power of God performed before their eyes. Poison becomes harmless. God's word says if they drink any daily thing, it won't hurt them. One day the Lord told us to, uh, told us to go to a certain village in the jungle. It's a most horrible place. Uh, it's the capital city of Timor. When we told the people we were going there, they could hardly believe us. Oh, no, they said. If you go there, you will be killed. Why, they said. Because in that place, people practice all sorts of witchcraft and make different potions. If people even stop to ask for a glass of water, they poison them. As soon as the people drank the water, they died. So the people pleaded with us not to go there to preach the gospel. But the Lord told my sister, brother-in-law, and me, and four others to go. If we die, we die because God told us to go there, we said. But we, really are, we, really, but we were really scared in our hearts. Then God reminded us of the scripture, if you drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt you. We got to the village, so the first thing we did was, uh, they did was to give us some food and something to drink. Everyone was watching us. Oh, we were scared, we were, but we just trusted Jesus and ate and ate and ate because we had walked for miles and we were hungry. After we finished, we began to preach the gospel. Several hours passed. We were finished with our meeting, and a man came up to us and said, Oh, sir, you must have power in your life. He said, No, we don't have any power. You're kidding, he said. We answered, We don't have any power. We're just human beings like you are. No, he said, I don't believe you. If you say you don't have power, then something really big must have protected you. What do you mean by that? I asked. When you came up with the most powerful poison we have in, our, in your food, you should have died in three minutes. But I watched. After three minutes, nothing happened. Now, after two hours, nothing has happened. You must have lots of power or a power is protecting you. We caught on to what the man meant and said, yes, the power of God is with us. What is that? He said, I want it. We explained to him about the love of Jesus and told him about our precious and wonderful Redeemer. Oh, he said, you don't need to preach to me anymore. One minute is enough for me to turn my whole life to Christ. He ran back home, took all his witchcraft and demonic stuff and threw them into the fire. 
Jesus, you said, I take my life today. You're wonderful. You see, we, we read those scriptures and we read them in the context of living in America, where we don't live in a jungle and we don't face crocodiles, we don't face uh, snakes, and we don't face those poison or tribes want to give you poison to drink or to eat. And so we just kind of skim over it. And he's right. We've got planes, we've got trains, we've got cars, we've got bicycles, motorcycles, or whatever. And you know, when there's no need there, guess what? There's no attempt to even develop any kind of a faith. Right? Smith Wigglesworth said years ago before he died, he said, the time will come when there will be such advancements in medical science that the people will have a hard time having faith in God for healing. Not that there was something wrong with the advancement of medical science, nothing wrong with that at all, but because there's an, there's an option that's getting more and more and more and more that people are gravitating toward, their faith in the healing power of God will diminish. It'll be harder to get people healed by the power of God because we have some other, more other frames of reference. Why do you think revivals occur? The healing revival took place in 1947 and 1958 to open up our eyes so that we could see that, thank God for what man can do. But you know what? God can do much more than what man can do. And we cannot just depend on man because cursed is a man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Oh, he has arisen with healing in his wings. His name is as ointment poured forth. And what is his name? Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, too often we look at who we are and think, do I, can I do this? It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about finding out you're authorized to use his name. You think that it, did it matter whether I went for my dad and transacted business for him or my brother did? It didn't matter. Did it matter whether I was healthy or not or my brother was healthy or not? It didn't matter. Did it matter if he was strong and read his Bible in the morning? It didn't matter. When I got to the bank and my brother got to the bank, they just said, how, how can you transact business? Well, because we have the power of attorney. He didn't ask my background. didn't ask my age. He didn't ask how tall I am. No. No. Just did it. Why? Well, had the power of attorney. You have the power of attorney. You've been authorized to transact business for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are recognized in heaven. You are recognized in the kingdom of darkness. And they know who you are. I'll never forget this occasion. This was, was at the Northside Hospital in Youngstown, Ohio. And I was called to go up there to pray for someone who had a, it was a mental issue. And my, one of my parents was in the hospital at the time. And then uh, my, my aunt was there as well. And she went there visiting and saw this person that she knew, and they asked if I would pray for this child that was there. I said, sure, I'll be glad to. Now, I, I get there, and this is after the fact. So this, this is explaining it to you after the fact. I start walking up the sidewalk to go up into the hospital stairs, and as I'm making my way up, my aunt says that this fella just said, Bill's here. And she said, what? The boy said, Bill's here. He didn't even know my name. Bill's here. The mother said, is, is your, your nephew that's coming up, is his name Bill? Yeah, Bill's here. He's coming up. I get up there. I go over to the room. And my, my aunt tells me. And I walk into the room. And I recognize the fact he knew who I was. You can see the devil knows who you are. And I said, you come out of him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and that, that young boy got healed. See, it didn't matter. Did I, do, did I work out in the morning? Did I read a chapter? It didn't matter. You're authorized to transact business for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And guess what? It's hard for you to believe. No suit and no credentials. As far as I wasn't licensed to minister. I wasn't a minister of the gospel. I wasn't ordained. I was just a believer who went there. That was it. These signs shall follow them that believe. See? The power is in the name of Jesus. Do I have another minute? Number six, prayer and commanding in the name of Jesus. And oh, you get criticized every time I can just hear the criticisms. You know why? Because for the, the church has been starved from the kind of teaching that is necessary. To take their place, their rightful place to use this mighty name of Jesus. In John 16, 23 and 24, notice what Jesus said. In that day, you shall ask me nothing. You know how many people I've talked to? I pray to this, I pray to that, I pray whatever. Number. This is the one to pray for this, and this one to pray for that. Jesus said in that day, you will ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Notice in teaching us how to pray, he said the day is coming and that day is here. It's the day of redemption. It's the day that we've been delivered and set free. It's the day we've been authorized to use his name and that day is here. In my name, you ask the Father whatever you want and he will give it to you and that is called prayer. Okay, that's prayer. But now notice in John 14, and these verses in 13 and 14, whatsoever you shall ask in my name, notice, that will I do. Now, wait a minute. There's a difference here. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he said that's prayer. But whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. And where do we get the proper understanding of that word ask there? You know what it means? To make a demand upon something that is due. See, that word, if you go to your Greek, your Strong's Concordance, uh, you'll find out that 154 in the Strong's Concordance, it'll say about different words for asking. It's a reference to, I think, 44, 41, something like that, and the other Strong's uh, definition. When you put it together, what you find out is this. You're making a demand upon something, and Jesus said, I will do it. And here's the example. In Acts chapter 3, when Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He didn't ask the Father anything, did he? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. That was a demand. That was a command. Can you see that? That's a distinct difference between asking the Father to do something. Now, could you ask the Father to do it? Yeah, you can. But he was showing something else. He was showing us that we're going to have to use the power and authority of the name of Jesus and start demanding our rights and privileges. Start telling the devil, get out of my life. Get out of my finances. Get out of my family. Get out of my, my health. Get out of my life. But you see, if we just sit back and just let, let him run all over us, guess what? He'll accommodate. And you start teaching like this and people think that you're coming with some other foreign gospel, another gospel. No, it's the gospel that the devil hid. In the dark ages when the people, once again, didn't have an access to get to the word of God. It was hidden to the people of God. But in the early church, 
They went crazy with the name of Jesus. Philip goes to the city of Samaria. He preaches Christ to them. The people gave heed to the things which Philip spake. Hearing, this miracle, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did, unclean spirits came crying with a loud voice out of many that were possessed with them. And those that were lame and with the, were taken with the palsy were healed. And when they believed him concerning his teaching on what? The gospel and the power of the name of Jesus, they were all baptized in water. It was an open display of the power and authority of the resurrected Christ. You see, let's get ourselves off the table here. It's the resurrected Christ. It's he who is there in his name that does the work. You demand anything in my name and I will do it. I, I played this out. You know, sometimes we stumble across things. Have you ever stumbled across something? I have. When I was at Bible school in Ramah, I was uh, being taught about angels, the ministry of angels. And I was taught two, two ways that you can actually get involved, get angels involved in your affairs. Ask the father to release them or number two, give a command or, uh, you know, just release them on your own. Because, you know, they're ministering spirits to minister for those of us who are the heirs of salvation. So on two occasions. The well, first occasion was when someone stole all my tapes, my CDs, and not CDs, they were cassettes. <laughs> or were they eight tracks? I'm dating myself. Okay. And, and so I was a little bit flustered because I was off my way to school and all my teaching tapes are gone. My, my front door was ajar in my car. And so I turn, I'm marching back. I'm marching back. I'm frustrated. I'm going to say what happened. Once again, it's like I hit a brick wall. I just stopped there like that and said, no, those are my tapes. Now, you know what? If someone gets saved by listening to them, then glory to God. But they're mine. Angels of God, I release you in the name of Jesus Christ to go and bring them back because they belong to me. I went out to school that day, minded my own business, came back home that night, was sitting in my apartment there. Between 9 and 10 o'clock at night, I get a knock on the door. It was raining a little bit outside. And some taller fellow, and I'm sure you understand that, <laughs> never mind. I looked up and, and, and here they are. Now, come on. When's the last time this happened to you? All these teaching tapes are right there. And he looks at me and says, are these yours? Yeah. Here. Thanks. He turns around and walks away. Remember, I'm being in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I could have been in Africa somewhere. I don't know this person. I don't know anybody there. Just move there. I have no clue who this person might be. But gives me all the tapes back. That's kind of weird, isn't it? But all I remember was I loosed my angels to bring it back. And there, there they are. I gave like a command, like release you. And then I'm driving down the highway of Route 11. You've heard this story many times. Maybe some of you who are here haven't. But it was a terrible snowstorm. That's all I'll say. I'm coming back at almost midnight. The snowstorm is so bad, they cut, shut, they're shutting down the highways and all that. It's really how you can't even see where you're traveling. But on my way up to Youngstown to preach and teach the Bible study, notice the context in which I'm saying this. I went up there to preach and teach the Bible, you know, and on my way back, it was nasty. It was, uh, we were, I thanked the Lord for the angels. I said, Father, I want to thank you for your angels. I want to thank you that, for loosing them for me to get us there safely and to get us back home safely. And so on the way for some reason, this place in East Liverpool near Calcutta in East Liverpool, that section right there, 
in the middle of a highway, you have to see this with the snow so high you can't even see a track on the road. You can't see where the exit is. You can't see the median because it is a whiteout. And all you can see is maybe a foot in front. All you can see is the lights reflecting off the snow. And all of a sudden, this taller creature is standing in the middle of Route 11. Be like 376 here. And looks in my windshield. My initial response was, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. First thing out of my mouth. Leaned over, one hand brushing up on the car, and the other hand waving. What are you doing in a snowstorm out at night? Do you do stuff like that? Anybody here do stuff like that? Oh, Look for a car to say. <laughs> and then I remembered. I said, yeah, thank you, Father, for the angels loose ministering for me because I'm an heir of salvation to get us safely there and back. That's another occasion where I was privileged to be able to see my ministering spirits and forth in ministry minister for me. And, you know, they do manifest themselves. And we can go on to other stories about that. But my point is, there's some things you can pray about and ask the Father to do, and he'll do it in the name of Jesus. And don't forget this. Sometimes, if I hear something like, well, we'll do it, I pray for it in your name. Don't do that. No, no. Jesus, let's be specific. Jesus said, ask the Father in my name. Father, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus Christ. For this. That's why we end our prayers with in Jesus name. In other words, it's like as if father, Jesus himself was standing here and asking you to do it. Can you see that? There it is. That's why this name is so mighty, because you got heaven's attention. Whether it's heaven, earth or beneath the earth, they all respond to only one name. And the next one, I love this one. All that we do. You ready for it? Colossians 3, verse 17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. In other words, whatever we do, do it in the name of Jesus. You know how sometimes you do something and you're aware of it, then you kind of neglect it after a while, kind of forget to do it? take it maybe for granted or whatever. Shouldn't do that. I used to do things like, for example, if you cut the grass, shovel the driveway, if you do the laundry, if you do the dishes, whatever you're doing, if you're going out witnessing, uh, if you're going, whatever you're doing, do, do it all in the name of Jesus. You know, so I would sometimes get out there and I'd start cutting my grass and just, I'd say, I cut my grass in the name of Jesus. You say, oh, that's kind of ridiculous or whatever. Really? Well, I, one day I didn't do that and all of a sudden a, thing, a pebble came up and hit me in the cheek here. I went, oh, I'm cutting this grass in the name of Jesus. Another time I didn't do it, I went right over a beehive that was in the ground. Those, you know the ones in the ground? Oh, I don't have to tell you what happened next, do I? Uh-uh. And another time it was this, we planted this little tree. It finally took root, thank God. But this little tree in front of our house, and I'm just mowing the lawn, and all of a sudden, this unleashing of bees just tests themselves. I had nine of them right around here, right there. I had to fly into the house. <laughs> I cut my grass in the name of Jesus now. <laughs> Even keeping animals off the road, we say in the name of Jesus. Now, there's a chance that you could take it for granted and do it, you know, like just haphazardly and all that. We should never do that. What we need to do is this. You lived, you died, 
you rose again. God, the father gave you a name above every other name. You were seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. At the mention or the whisper of your name, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess of things or beings in heaven, earth, or beneath the earth. And I'm the one who's authorized. I'm the one with the power of attorney. I'm the one who can say to my body, I'm speaking to you in the name of Jesus. You are healed by the stripes he bore for you. Or devil out in the name of of Jesus. We're all authorized to use that name just like they did. And just because that they're in Africa, you see, they have more opportunities because they don't have all the, uh, all the uh, advances that we have here in America. In some cases, they have no medical science whatsoever. They're in a village somewhere. They're going to die or they're going to call upon the name of Jesus. And guess what? When you're accustomed to it, you call upon the name of Jesus. As a matter of fact, and one, you'll read it here in the book as well if you were to get a copy of it. I'm not selling books, trust me. I'm just letting you know. If you want to feed your faith, read about this. Indonesian revival, it'll bless you. One section that says, now you people in America, you read Mark 16, 17, and 18, and you just say, well, you know what? This manuscript says it may, it's not in there in Mark. And this one over here says it's, my, it's in there in Mark. It's not in this one in Mark. You know, it, and you're looking for words and concordances and all that. And they said, we're not smart enough to do that. If he says to cast out a devil, we cast it out. If he says to lay hands on the sick, we lay hands on the sick. If he says to walk on the water, we walk on the water. If he says to speak to the crocodiles, we speak to the crocodiles. We don't have to figure it out. We just do it. And guess what? They get the results. We're too educated, too analytical sometimes. Let's close right here in Ephesians 5.20 and these verses, uh, real quick, these verses. Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always. For all things unto God, the Father, how? In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 6.11, what does it say? And such were some of you, and I've talked about some of the things of your past, but you are washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Hebrews 13.15, by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, doing what? Giving thanks to his name. And then also James 5.14. If any sick among you, call for the elders of the church, let them pray of them and them with all in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise them up. If he's committed sins, they shall be forgiven them. And then 1 John 3.23. It says, and this is his what? More enthusiasm. His what? Amen. That we should believe on the name not on you, not on your pastor. My job is not to get you to trust me or believe in me. My job is to get you to trust him, to show you that his name is above every other name and that's all there is to it. And you have a right to use it. You're authorized to use it. You've got the legal power of attorney. We should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us what? Commandment. Oh, let's all stand before the throne of God.